What's up, church? So, I'm Luke. Let me give you some fast facts about myself. Um, so, I am married to the incredible Claire. If you don't know Claire, you are really missing out. Like, actually, you should probably speak to her after the meeting because your life will be better for it. Um, I am the proud dad of three beautiful little boys. Um, I work as the head of learning at a digital training company, so coming up with all sorts of creative ways of helping people do their jobs better. Um, I am a bit of a geek about a few things. In particular, there's lots of things I'm a geek about. I'll just mention a couple. So one is coffee. Another is I've been getting into baking bread recently, which is pretty fun. So I started out with regular bread, and then we started sourdough, and that's like a totally different thing altogether. So that's been a learning experience. And yes, as some of you can probably hear, I've, I've lived in a couple of different places. Namely, I lived in Cape Town, South Africa for about 10 years. Um, so yeah, so that's who I am. So now you can put sort of like some facts to this strange tall man at the front. And today I am going to be talking to you guys about unwanted heroes, craftsmen, and how kisses help you live your life. Not kisses from me, by the way. No, no kisses from me, apart from for my wife. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm talking to, talking to you about today. And I think the obvious starting point for any sort of preach is, of course, action movies, right? I think it's obvious starting points. And um, I want you to sort of imagine a scene with me, if you will. Now imagine there's this, one of these massive bridges filled with thousands and thousands of cars, with tens of thousands of people on it, and there's this one scoundrel supervillain who's wanting to destroy the bridge and take the lives of every single person on that bridge. What a scandal! What drama! What a scumbag! And on the bridge, there's lots of people, as I said, there's civilians, there's babies, <gasps> not babies. There's puppies, <gasps> not the puppies. There are pregnant women, <gasps> not the pregnant women. There are social media influencers, <gasps> hashtag no filter. So if things go down, then we're gonna lose. I mean, what's the world gonna do with one less social media influencer? You know, like, it just blows the mind. So we need a hero, right? I can't hear you. We need a hero, right? Yeah, what kind of hero do you think we need? Just shout. What sort of hero do you think we need? A strong one? Maybe names of heroes would be more helpful. <laughs> strong, strong hero man. So that's one. Any suggestions for a hero that would help us out? Thor? Oh yeah, he's a hunk as well. Any other suggestions? Thor might help. The Incredibles, oh yes, the whole family. That, that would be pretty epic. Any other suggestions? Wonder Woman, oh yeah, with her sword, she would kick some serious ass. Well, while those are all very good suggestions and would all be very suitable heroes for this situation, you're getting someone different. So just reimagine the scene again. There's panic, there's fear, there's dread. There's the supervillain. And just in the distance, we see them coming. 
a hero. He's come to save us. We're going to be saved. It's great. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be fine. It is Super Jewelry Man. Look at those earrings. Look at the necklaces. Check out his bracelets. We're saved. Hooray. It's not what you'd expect, really, is it? You'd think we need someone strong with, like, laser eyes and, like, batarangs to throw at this supervillain. That sort of thing, right? That's what... Now, while I would, I would still watch that movie with Jewelry Man trying to save a bridge full of people, because how's that going to work out? How's he going to win? I don't know. I want to watch that movie now. Um, and while I would watch the movie... Uh, You'd kind of be thinking, what are the writers thinking? Like, have they lost the plots? I mean, is this like, is this, are they going to, is this the fake hero while the, while the real hero comes along a bit later? You'd be left wondering a bit, wouldn't you? Um, the thing is, sometimes God works in a similarly unfathomable way. We're like, I need Superman. Send me Wonder Woman. Send me this big, amazing change in circumstance. And God's like, earrings. <laughs> God's like, oh, yes. Oh, I see the problem. You know what you need. You know what you need. You need a really nice watch. <laughs> That's not going to help me, Jesus. So, in a moment, I'm going to read a bit of a passage which is kind of going to maybe give us a bit more information because you're probably all really confused right now, and that's okay. But first, it's time for Bible trivia. Okay, who feels like they want to answer a Bible trivia question? Oh, we've got a few hands at the back. Right, the question I have for you today is, who is the first person who we are told was filled with the Spirit in the Bible. Tapestry. The guy who did the tapestry in the Ark of the Covenant type thing. What do we think, guys? What do we think? We've got another idea. Aaron, we've got a suggestion for Aaron. I think that's a sensible guess. Yeah. Another one. Oh, bit out of left field, don't you think? He was a he was a jeweler, wasn't he? Worked with precious metals, and in fact, we have our winners because Simon was also saying Bezalel, but he didn't say the name. But he was saying the right kind of guy. So we're going to read a little bit about a guy called Bezalel, and some of you are probably thinking, Beza who now? Well, you're about to find out. So, if you want to read with me, you can turn to Exodus 31. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 6. I'm going to read from the message version, so this will probably also confuse you if you don't have the message version. So, Exodus 31, verses 1 to 6. God spoke to Moses, see what I've done? I've personally chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I've filled him with the spirit of God, 
giving him skill and know-how and expertise in every kind of craft to create designs and work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set gemstones, to carve wood. He's an all-round craftsman. Not only that, but I've given him Aholiab, son of Aisamach and the, of the tribe of Dan, to work with him. And to all who have, made, who have an aptitude for crafts, I've given the skills to make all the things I've commanded you. So, Bezalel, hey? First guy who we are told was filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Bit of a left field appointment, don't you think? Hey? It's not what I'd expect. So particularly around the time that Israel, they were in the desert, you know, not exactly the most hospitable of places. They wanted to go into the Holy Land. There's quite a lot they wanted to do. And God anoints not the warrior, not the king, not the priest, not the prophet. They probably could have benefited from all those guys, don't you think? I mean, from, from my perspective, I kind of think, like, wouldn't you have, couldn't you have done with like another like super passionate prophet guy to help Moses? But no, God anoints Bezalel, who is a craftsman. Interesting. Very interesting. And that sort of brings me to my first point. Sometimes God sends you a craftsman when you think you need a warrior. What we think we need and what God knows we need are sometimes very different things. So this is what we think we need. We're like, right, uh, give me Thor. I want that hunk to come save me from my circumstances. And God's like, cool, 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 cool. I got you. I got, I've so got you. Here's a nice trinket. As it is, God will often provide what we need in a way that we can easily dismiss, easily ignore, easily get offended by, or be easily doubtful of. God often provides for us in a way that requires faith for us to accept. I think this is true of individuals, but it's also true of organizations, businesses, and churches as much as it is for people. And as a result, we often don't recognize God's provision and the opportunities he's presented to us because they don't look like what we think they should look like. I think one of the best examples of that in the Bible would probably be Jesus. Because in that context, everyone was expecting a Messiah who would establish a physical kingdom, who would come, kick out Caesar and all his minions, from the nation of Israel and established Israel as this proper country with the Messiah as their king. So people are expecting this big, powerful sort of hero. Whoosh, 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 take that, Caesar! And what do they get? They get a hillbilly from some backwash small town who makes chairs. Because that's how they thought of him. It's like, oh, Who's this guy? Whatever. He's definitely not the Messiah. I mean, like, okay, his chairs are really good. I love his chairs. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he's from... He's from... He's from Nazareth. People are like, oh, Nazareth. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, I know. So God often provides 
what we need in a way that is very different to what we think we need. And I think if this is something that, I think this is something we all need to grow in and sort of recognizing God providing for us in a way that's different than what we expect. Um, and if it's something you want to grow in, then I'd suggest taking some time this week to pray, reflect a bit, and make a note of the one or two circumstances that you think you may have overlooked or you're in danger of overlooking now and then ask God to help you see him in them. Because I think there's a few of us in the room now where God has already provided. He's actually sent what we need, but we're not, we've not recognized it yet because we're, we're looking for Thor and he sent Jewelry Man. But you know what? Jewelry Man is the dude you need. So, kind of the next point I get from this whole story of Bezalel and him being anointed um, is that God has a really high value for so-called secular work. Like, a really, really high value. What do you think Bezalel did before he helped build the tabernacle and all the amazing things inside? What do you think he did afterwards? Because it wasn't a lifetime's worth of work. I think before and after, he made and sold goods to people. He was an entrepreneur, he was a craftsman, he was a worker, and he was really, really, really good at his job. And he is the first guy we are told about in the Bible who was filled with the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I think that says a lot about what God values. I think this is something that I've been learning increasingly over the years. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household, a sort of evangelical, charismatic Christian household. If you don't know, Andy and Teresa are my parents. So that was interesting. What a one of four. I'm glad you didn't say our fourth greatest achievement. Yeah, saying a very similar thing, but not quite the same. And what one of the four greatest achievements? They don't rank us, at least not in public. <laughs> so I grew up getting lots of prophetic words and things about uh, leadership and pioneering and influencing others and that sort of thing. And others and myself at the time sort of interpreted that through the lens that we had at the time, which was church. And really, church was seen as the highest calling. So why would God waste promises if they're only going to be realized in the secular world? <laughs> okay, it wasn't maybe that strong. It was maybe a bit more, like, implicit. But if you got a big promise, it was a case of, oh, oh, well, surely this means, this surely applies to ministry. And that was sort of the lens through which we interpreted things, through which I interpreted things at the time as well. And I think one of the sort of the quotes which was going around for a number of years was, um, I tried to find the source of it, but couldn't, um, is the church is the only institution that will last forever. Now, I think there's a few good things in that quote, right? Because, I mean, church will last forever because when there's, you know, Jesus comes back, new heavens, new earth, the church will go to meet Jesus as his bride. So, I mean, the church is, I mean, it's not theologically incorrect, 
Um, I think it does sort of imply that investing your time, investing your money, investing your energy in a local church is like is a really good thing to do. Actually, it's it's going to make a big difference. But I think. It's been problematic because it's been used in a few other ways as well. Um, because it can imply that our time, gifts, passion, and skill are wasted anywhere but in the church. And that if you're doing them outside of the church, that is second best to using them inside the church slash for ministry. And this is something that I kind of believe for quite a large portion of my life, actually. Um, so I've been on a journey for, oh, I, don't, I don't know how many years, but it's probably 10 years or so, of sort of learning to sort of recognize that lie and sort of unpick it and unlearn that and then learn what is actually true, what is actually right, what is actually noble. So... Specifically, it's only in the last couple of years that I've really started giving 100% of my best efforts at work. Now, I've been working since I left university. It's not like I was one of those slackers. I was like, ah, I'm just going to sit back and watch you losers do all the stuff. Well, I do nothing. I think I'm going to have a donut. <laughs> Maybe make myself some more coffee. And then another coffee. While you losers do the stuff. It wasn't like that. It was more like I was doing my best, but it was more like 80 or 90% of my best energies was going into my work. And then a couple of years ago, God spoke to me um, about not going into paid ministry at all. So part of this whole growing up thing, getting all these words and stuff, was a case of it, it sort of eventually meant that I started seeing not that I got specific words about it, but the way things were interpreted and the way that I had processed things was that eventually I'll, I'll obviously end up in paid ministry one day. And I say paid ministry rather than full-time ministry because everyone's in full-time ministry. Paid ministry, you get paid to do it. That's why I say paid ministry, not full-time ministry, because I think full-time ministry is a misnomer. Um, so God spoke to me about not going into paid ministry at all, whereas in my mind, I'd kind of thought, okay, cool, I'll do this career. I started out as a high school teacher. Then I'll move into e-learning, which is what I do now. And then maybe eventually I'll go into paid ministry and blah, 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 that sort of thing. That was what I'd thought, really. And then God really challenged me about that, and it was a bit of a bombshell. And God was like, cool, that's a really good idea, but I've actually got something that's going to be so, so, so much better for you it's going to be so, so, so much better for the world if you listen to me. So that was a bit of a bombshell. And it took me probably about a year to really kind of process it and unpick it and figure out what that actually meant for me. And one of the things it meant for me was like actually thinking of like career-wise, where do I want to be? So if I'm doing the same kind of thing in 10 years... Where do I want to be with it? Because previously, I'd always been thinking, well, in 10 years, I'll probably be in paid ministry. Not that paid ministry is bad, but I think often, my point is that often we interpret what is best as it's obviously going to be paid ministry. That's ultimately what God would like everyone to be doing. Lord, save us if everyone was in paid ministry. Goodness me. Um, I think 
another point here is that um, I really had to learn to trust God with my path, specifically my path through life, my journey to sort of prophetic destiny and fulfilling of promises. Um, whereas I'd caught, sort of had quite a tight grip on the how. Like the what, I think it's good to have a tight grip on, like what has God promised? But I think the how often were very much like, this is how God's going to do it. God's going to send me Thor and he's going to save people on the bridge and then people will be saved. And then when God's like, cool, 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 everyone on the bridge is going to be saved, but you're going to use jewelry to do it. Boom. So I think ultimately God knows what's going to work out best for us. He knows so much better than we do. Um, and I think maybe that sounds a little bit sort of like paternalistic and it's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's the point. He's our heavenly father. He's our heavenly daddy and he cares for us. He knows what's best and he knows what's actually going to work out best for us. So, I mean, for me, part of, part of this whole process for me was learning that actually the how that I had in mind for fulfilling promises was actually a distant second best to what God had in mind. I was like, okay, so I've been learning, okay, cool. Jewelry guy is what we need, is what I need. I need Bezalel. I don't need an anointed warrior and prophet. What I actually need is what God has provided. I think it's been a bit like, it's reminded me a bit of the story of Paul, um, the apostle Paul, who I think most of us probably know, he was like the Jewiest of Jews. He was like ultra Jew. He was like, if he was a superhero, he'd be like ultra Jew man. Dun, dun, dun. And he was like a Jew of Jews. It says it in the Bible, so I'm not lying. It says he was a Jew of Jews. Um, and do you know where God sends him to? It's like, ah, since you have so much expertise and knowledge and experience of the Jewish nation, I'm going to send you to the non-Jews. I could just, I could just imagine the look on Paul's face. Like, what? I know nothing about the non-Jews. What are you talking about, God? And God's like, hey, trust me. I, I got this. You're going to the non-Jews. That's going to be totally bad. But God, I've got so much expertise in this. I know so many things about the Jews. And God's like, cool, cool, cool. You could forget all that because you're going to the Gentiles. And I think for me, it was, uh, it felt sort of similar. So, you know, being a pastor's kid, growing up with words about church, 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 church and stuff. Um, and then God saying, now focus your best efforts on a sphere of life that up until recently, you didn't value very highly. Trust me. So I did trust him. Um, but I think with that sort of thing, it can take a bit of time to actually release something that you've hold, held on to. When you've held on to the how, for so long. For me, it was a couple of decades. It can take time to release it and then learn, okay, well, God, how do you want to achieve stuff? How do you want to see me come into these promises? How do you want to build your kingdom through me? Because I think we can be very prescriptive in the how of things. And you know what? In the last few years of work, I've actually seen some really amazing success and some amazing fruit. And I've actually seen a lot of the promises I've had for years start to be fulfilled. 
And this was in the secular world. It wasn't in ministry at all. It was, in, it was through my work. It was through me applying myself fully to my career. I've influenced hundreds of thousands of people, of people through the courses that I've created and the consulting I've done. I regularly influence business leaders and I'm showing people that there's a better way to help people learn at work. Um, and these are all things that have been prophesied for me over many years. Some of the stuff I've done, I've established a whole different way of, you know, analyzing and creating courses to help people do their jobs better in the workplace. So that's a whole pioneering thing. Check. That's a promise I've had for years and 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 years. And the reason I'm telling you all this, you might be like, look, look, look. That's all very well and good. And you're clearly an odd and occasionally funny man. But why are you telling me all of this? Well, the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I feel like God is wanting to pull out some rusty nails today. So I know you get fence posts. Um, and, you know, if you're wanting to get new fence panels, I know this is, a this is like my most exciting illustration, guys. <laughs> I'm talking about fences. Oh, yeah. So when you're wanting to get rid of old fence panels and install new ones, Sometimes you need new fence posts as well, which are the big bits of wood which go in the ground. I need to cement them in. Then you attach, you nail or screw the new fence panels into it. However, sometimes the old fence posts are still in good condition, but they're full of all the old rusty nails. And you know what you've got to do before you put the new fence panel in? You've got to pull out those rusty nails. Sometimes you need to cut them out because they're so stubborn. So I'm telling you all of this today because I think you, some of you are going to feel a bit of tugging because God's wanting to give you some new fence panels. Yes, that is the most exciting illustration you will hear this year. Uh, specifically, I just felt there's going to be sort of two groups of people here that this point will apply to. And the first is individuals who maybe feel like you're far away from fulfilling promises God has put on your life. And you're like, oh, God's spoken this to me for so many years. But it just feels like miles away. When on earth am I going to see this fulfilled? The babies agree this is really good. They're like, yes! Preach, Luke, preach. I'll preach, Merlin. I'll preach, Hugo. I'll preach any other babies. I don't know the names. And the second group of people is that there's some here who've been holding that 10% back from your work. Maybe it's from your parenting. Maybe it's from your relationship with your wife or your husband, where you've, not, you've been holding back 10% of your absolute best effort. You've been given 85, 90%. You've been good, you know? Probably build a decent career by now, doing pretty good work. But you feel, through my story, you kind of recognize, like, you know what? I think I've kind of been doing the same. And I feel God wants to speak to you today. So for the first group, I believe God's going to start revealing ways to you now about how he's already fulfilling promises, but you've not realized up until maybe even this moment right now. And for the second group, I believe God wants to speak to you today and give you permission and a challenge to fully invest yourself in your work and your career. And work can be being a full-time mom. That is one of the most valuable jobs around. So when I say work... I also include that. Because as you give yourself fully to what God has placed in front of you, 
not what you're hoping will happen in a few years' time. You'll see breakthrough and you'll begin to see dreams come true. I think as Christians, we often think that the answer to most questions that we have or difficulties is a change in circumstance. God, change my circumstance and things will be better. Whereas I think sometimes it's more a case of we need to change ourselves in the midst of our circumstance and begin to see what God is already doing and then do that. We're like, God, doing this, support me in this, yes! And God's like, cool, 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 cool. Jewels, I got jewelry for you. And if we just go with what we don't expect, but what God is leading us with and what he's provided for us through our circumstances, then we'll see breakthrough, then we see real fruit, then we see some real awesomeness start to happen. I think one of my other points really is that God loves the 95% of your life that you spend outside these four walls. He's crazy about that. We spend like what, maybe 5% of our week here? God loves the other 95%. He's passionate about the other 95% of your life. Now the enemy, he really wants you to believe that the blood, sweat and tears you put into the 95% of your life outside these walls is less valuable than the 5% of your life that you invest on a Sunday morning or at a small group on a Wednesday or in any other sort of ministry context. This is not true. Church is all about equipping the saints. That's you guys. It's all about equipping the saints to go out and build the kingdom the other six days of the week. And when I say build the kingdom, I don't only mean through, you know, those obvious kingdom building things that we tend to think about immediately through evangelism or prophecy or healing. I mean also through being a really good mom, being a really good husband to your wife, being really good at your job, being skilled and dedicated in your workplace and really giving 100%. And also being diligent students. Because where would we be if a lot of famous Christian um, thinkers over the years hadn't applied themselves fully? What if they'd held back that sort of 10%? Where would we be if, you know, guys like Sir Isaac Newton, Galileo, Florence Nightingale had held a little bit back? The world would be a much worse place, don't you think? I think we need Christians who influence society through their brilliant breakthroughs and wisdom. We need passionate Christians in politics. We need revivalists running businesses. We need Jesus freaks building houses. And we need crazy, crazy, crazy Christians being stay-at-home moms to raise amazing Jesus-loving kiddies. When done wholeheartedly, all of these are acts of worship. So dealing with a really grumpy co-worker, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to kingdom this person. I'm going to treat this person with the kingdom. And sometimes that's just like treating them really nicely when they're being a total bleep. That's an act of worship. You just built the kingdom a little bit more right there. Oh yeah, high five, boom. It's fine, I wasn't expecting you guys to high five me anyway. It was a rhetorical high five. See, I'm smart like that, guys. So when you parent really well, when you're doing your best at parenting, let's put it like that, because sometimes you don't think you're doing really well as a parent, but you're trying your best. When you're trying your best as a parent, you're building the kingdom, right? When you apply yourself 
to your job and do your best. That is building a kingdom and that is an act of worship. And God's like, you see that guy, you see that girl, look, look, you see, you see what they're doing, you see how they're talking through that Bible story to their really hard, to their three-year-old who's really hard work. Yes! Watch her go! Isn't she amazing? Woo! Or he's like, check out those spreadsheets he just filled in. He was so thorough, so detailed, so accurate. Woo! Check that out. He loves me so much, he's kicking butt in his job. Come on, yes! That's what God's like, you know. That's what he's like. We just need to sort of realize that. God loves the jewelers. Everyone loves Thor, but not everyone loves jewelry man. So I think if this is something that you feel sort of challenged by, you're feeling a bit of tugging, like a rusty nail being pulled out, I suggest taking some time to pray and reflect on areas of life where you feel like you might be holding back and ask God to reveal how he's fulfilling promises in your current circumstances. Take a little bit of time this week. Kind of think about that. Reflect on it. Talk to your small group about it as well because I think I find the best breakthroughs, the best progress is made in community. I think your life is a community project. You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a village to raise an adult as well. Because I don't know about you, but I think I'm still pretty childish in many, many ways. And I want to keep growing, but it takes a lot of people to help with that. Okay, next point. I think you'll find this one is another quite obvious point. You'll be like, Luke, Luke, Luke. We know this already. Why are you telling us? This point is, you need a kiss. Multiple kisses, in fact. So in the passage I was reading, it says, I've filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. So one thing we can take from that is that being filled in the spirit not only activates our spiritual gifts, which I think we probably all knew, right? Being filled with the Spirit activates your spiritual gifts. Makes sense. Being filled with the Spirit also activates your so-called non-spiritual gifts. If you're really good at accounting, get filled with the Spirit. Boom! You're even better at accounting. Do you try your best as a parent? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom! You're suddenly a better parent. That's how this works. It's cool, hey? Being filled with the Spirit isn't just so you can do obviously spiritual things, it's so you can do normal things in a Spirit-empowered way. Now, why am I talking about kisses? Well, firstly, kisses are awesome. And also because Song of Songs 1 verse 2 says something really interesting. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Now, the, word, the Hebrew word for kisses in this sort of extract is norshak. Now, that word can also be translated to mean to equip or to arm for battle. So we need God's kisses to become equipped warriors for him. Isn't that amazing? Such an intimate act. The word for such an intimate act of kissing. I don't know about you, but I don't just kiss anyone. I'm not like, oh, yes, nice to meet you. That's not how it works. 
Kissing someone is a very intimate act. It's like you only do it with, with a handful of people. But kissing is the same word for arming yourself for battle. Or, let me put it differently, arming yourself to overcome challenges. So if you have a battle or challenge to prepare for, in addition to practical preparations, which are really important, for example, you're not going to pass an exam being spirit-filled if you failed to study for the last month. Come on. But in addition to practical preparations, don't forget to, kissed and, to get kissed by and armed by your heavenly dad. That makes all the difference. I do this quite a lot of work, quite a lot at work, and uh, part of my role is coming up with solutions to training sort of problems and performance issues. And often we come up with quite challenging ones for multiple reasons. Maybe it's because of the scale of it, maybe it's the number of people doing it, or maybe it's just a really difficult thing to sort of get people to learn. Um, what I, now, like Bezalel, I think I'm quite skilled at my job. I've worked hard over the years to refine my skill, to get better and better and better. Um, but I still know I need some of that Holy Spirit whoosh, supercharging um, when challenges come my way. So what I'll often do is I'll get stuck um, or I know, well, I could just do this and I'll probably be fine or I could get a little bit of Holy Spirit help to do this really, really well. So I cheat, basically. I go and ask Daddy God for help. I pray in tongues. I listen to worship. And he'll give me ideas and supercharges the abilities that I already have. And I've found this throughout my whole career, both when I was a teacher and now. I've found this to be true. So for some of you, Holy Spirit will have triggered some thoughts so that right now, some specific challenges and opportunities are going to come to mind that he wants to anoint you for. And others are going to maybe feel like this isn't something that they have been doing up to this point, but you're feeling a little bit challenged now, like, you know what, I think this is something I want to do more. I really love Jesus. I want this to show in the way I live 95% of my life outside of these walls. And so if this is something you want to grow in, I'd encourage you, make a note of what it is God's bringing to mind now, because as the day goes by, and especially if you hit like Monday, going through the week, you'll probably forget. If you're anything like me, if you don't do something about it sooner, you're probably going to forget. So make a note of what God is bringing to mind now, so you can think about it further on in the week, and also maybe get support from your small group in growing in that area as well. Like I said, it takes a village to raise a human. next point is God has given you what you need. So verse 6 from this passage was, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to build everything I've commanded you. Now every so often we find ourselves in situations where we feel utterly out of my depth. I know that very well because that is how most of my life has gone. Now I'm not one of these people who's super gung-ho, like that's actually not my default, but God tends to put me in situations where I'm like, Okay, so I need to learn two years worth of studying information in about one week and figure this out. So it happened when I first became a teacher. I had been planning on doing a PGCE before then looking for a job. This was in Cape Town. But then God dropped this job opportunity in my lap and I was like, I'm not qualified for this. And he 
was like, irrelevance. I was like, uh, what now? I like to have my ducks in a row, Mr. Jesus. And he was like, yeah, I know you do. Still want you to take this job though. But what I found was that um, I ended up growing to fill that pot, basically. So, you know, when you have to repot plants, they sometimes get too big for their teeny tiny little pots. I need to put them in a bigger pot so there's room for them to actually grow. God does the same thing with us. He puts us in situations which we feel unqualified for. We feel like we're an imposter in that situation. Like, God, how could you possibly put me here? There's so many better qualified people. So many people who are actually experts in this. I, can't, I shouldn't be doing this. But God still puts us there. And God wants us to know today that what, he, what we need is inside of us already so that we can grow to fill these roles. So we can grow to meet these challenges and to handle the things that come our way. So if that's something you feel you want to grow in, I recommend reading some Bible stories of how God used vastly, and I mean vastly, unqualified people. Have you, seen, have you read the story of Gideon? Oh man, that dude was a coward. Hey, hey, at least initially, then he became this valiant hero, Gideon. And Samson, oh my gosh, Samson. Oh my gosh, he was such a jerk. So arrogant and proud, hey? Even, like, and this wasn't like he immediately changed and became noble. It was a gradual progression of him becoming less and less of a jerk. It wasn't like, no longer a jerk, Samson. He was like, jerk, 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 jerk. Slightly less of a jerk, slightly less of a jerk. Not a jerk. Woo! God specializes in using unqualified people, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, cool. So what have we talked about today? We have talked about how God's provision for us sometimes looks very different to what we think we need. Jewelry man, not Thor. We've also looked at how you worship God and build the kingdom by being really good at your job. Remember, by job, I also mean being a stay-at-home mom or teaching your kids from home. Next, we talked about how God supercharges our skills and equips us to overcome challenges when we spend time in his presence. And finally, we briefly talked about how God is with us and has given us the skills we need to grow into whatever situation we find ourselves in. He's put stuff in us already that will grow in that situation. And also I encouraged you for each of those points, if you feel God speaking to you about that today, if you feel particularly challenged by it or offended by it or curious about it, remember to reflect, pray, make a note of things this week. Involve your small group community as well. You make better progress when you've got that sort of support and other people are like, hey, so how are you doing with this thing? You spoke to us last time about how you're, you know, you feel like been holding back 10%. What, what have you been doing? You know, what, how are things going after your ideas of how to give that extra 10%? Getting that sort of support around you is vital. Otherwise, you will make very little progress in that sort of area of personal growth. And then I'll, I'll post a reminder later in the week on the Hope Family uh, Facebook page as well, just to, as like a prompt to help us remember some of this stuff. Um, and finally, if God's spoken to you through some of the points today, and you've just felt some of that tugging, you felt challenged, you felt like, 
I need to respond to this some way. I think it's a really healthy way of sort of showing God that you're open to him and you want to grow and that you love him in this way specifically is to respond. Thank you.